It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're buffoons. Mackey and Judd. They are not buffoons. On 1500 ESPN. Here are Judd Zolgad <laughs> and Matthew Collar. This is my first ever pecking order. Oh, yes. I love this segment. I'm so excited about I this. love this one. So you actually threw out this idea yesterday uh, in light of the All-Star Game announcements and the always annual, well, this guy got snubbed, Rosario yeah. got snubbed. And you said, let's do the 10 worst all-star selections, <laughs> in our opinion, not not of all time, but basically starting around 1990 or so. Yeah, I picked 1991 because that's basically when I start remembering baseball. I go back, I only have, I'm looking through my list here, I have one from the 80s, but the rest are uh, 90 or thereafter. So do you want to go first? Since you suggested yes. this, starting at number 10 with Matthew Collar's worst 10 all-star selections of all time for okay. the baseball game. 1994, a great season for Major League Baseball overall. Things turned out oh, the just world, fine. Do you, do you remember that World Series? Oh, Expos won. Oh, it was so X, good. Oh, they were still... Yeah. Grissom um, was great that year. Mariano Duncan in 1994. I only did all-star starters okay. because since... They have this ludicrous rule where you have to have a player for every team. There's a point where, like, Ken Harvey shows up. Ken Harvey. So I only did starters because I thought, man, my list would be way too long. I did mostly starters, but not all starters. Okay, so only starters. At second base, Mariano Duncan in 1994. Okay. He was It was his only all-star game ever. He was 31 years old, and in that season, he only played 88 games. Even though it was a shorter season, he didn't even play all the games. What team at the time in 94? He was with the Phillies. Okay, but so he, he got elected. He played for the Dodgers, the Reds, the him. Phillies, the Yankees, the Blue Jays. And he played multiple positions almost every year. Basically, a utility guy starts at second base in 94. Okay. In 1993, so that's number 10. Number 9 on my list, Terry Mulholland started the MLB All-Star Game in 1993. Lefty who played until he was 94 years old. He played with the Twins. He played with, he played with he everyone. He played with the Twins. Yeah, who that's did he true. not pitch for? That's a good point. He became a lefty reliever late in the season. Terry Mulholland, a very random All-Star Game starter. One of my favorite baseball cards ever, 1991, third baseman for the Reds, Chris Sabo. Love the goggles. Man, to ha- those are all-star goggles, but he was not really an all-star type player, but he was in 91. Another guy in 91 who I had never heard of, which is amazing considering the number of baseball cards I had. I have never heard of Yvonne Calderon. Oh, yeah. I remember 1991. Yvonne. White Sox. His lone All-Star game he started. So he got elected to an All-Star game though? Yeah, as a starter. That makes that's that's what I mean. Who? Avon Calderon. And that's back in the punch the ballot days. 
And so um, White Sox fans had to go to games and actually get the ballots and punch those things back then. So he was 29 years old, played for the Expos. Another guy who had played for a bunch of teams and sometimes wasn't even a starter. <laughs> and he ends up as an MLB All-Star Game starter. Uh, the next guy became a reliever shortly after this, Derek Lowe. In 2002, yep. was the All-Star Game starter. This this next one, I really had high hopes for this guy, and this guy is sort of connected to the David Ortiz story. Do you remember Shea Hillenbrand? Oh, yeah. Who started the All-Star Game in 2002. Sure do. And third baseman, right, for the he was a third. He was a third baseman, right. And I believe he was battling for a spot there with Ortiz or something like that, or they thought they were set there so they didn't want to sign Ortiz. That was the story. I think because oh, of Shea no, Hillenbrand, I don't remember that part. they thought they were set so they didn't want to sign Ortiz, but Pedro talked him into it. I think is the story with Shea Hillenbrand. All right. He actually made two All-Star games, but both are hilarious considering his career just completely went downhill after that. Mm-hmm. In 2003, Esteban Luizzo was the starter. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a recent story about Esteban Luizzo being a drug lord. Well, I mean, you got to do something post baseball sometimes. That's if true. you didn't make enough in baseball. That's true. That's a profitable business. So he was the Wait, starting pitcher, two thousand three. Two thousand three, and what team was he with at the time? The Chicago White Sox. Okay, so he was the White Sox, and right. had a mediocre four and a half career ERA. wasn't really anything. Okay, that's uh, a bad one. Two thousand six All Star Game starter was Brad Penny. Remember the brief time that Brad Penny was a good starting pitcher? It was very short. Yes, and then he got a big contract and melted down after that. He was um, Florida Marlins, right? Correct. Okay, yeah, I do. And and he got traded. Didn't he get traded at the deadline to somebody at some point? The Dodgers, I think. And he was supposed to be good. And I think he went there. And and if I am not mistaken, went in the toilet after that. In 2006, also starting at second base, utility player Mark Loretta, who had a very long career, but happened to hit 338 in 06. A lot of weird seasons in the 2000s that just sort of popped up, and guys were really Why do you good. suppose that was, Matthew I, I don't know. Why do you, you suppose know, guys just confused. popped up and had success? So all these are great, but none of them are anywhere close to my number one. Okay, right. I mean, so that like this was, hey, you know, there's some guys that are kind of funny, and I don't remember that guy. And then there's this one. All-Star Game Starter, Center Field, Chicago Cubs, 2008, Kasuke Fukudome. Yeah. Who finished oh, yeah, with Fukudome. a wins above replacement for his career of four. Yep. As a, a 258 hitter in 596 career games in five years over Major League Baseball, following his one all star season, in which he only had a 738 OPS, the guy had 32 home runs over the next four years. Where'd he bounce Kosuke to? Cleveland. Fukudome. He was because he was the cut. He was with the Cubs. He came up with the Cubs. He was a big deal. Cleveland he bounced for somewhere else. Fifty nine games, and then he finished with the Chicago White Sox, two thousand twelve, and he hit one seventy one. I remember being at Wrigley. Kosuke Fukudome. Yeah, I want to say I remember being at Wrigley the summer he emerged. If I am not mistaken, they were selling outside. Fukudome is my homie T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and they were going very quickly. It was, I mean, this was one of those classic, like, they vote him in because another country's involved. Because he only hit 257 for that season. He slugged under 400. Did he he really? had 10 home runs. He was only 257? He was an all-star game starter with 10 home runs and oh, a 257 batting I, I didn't recall At that. least these other guys, yeah. those random years, were good. Go through your list again. 
Mariano Duncan, Terry Mulholland, Chris Sabo, Yvonne Calderon, Derek Lowe, Shea Hillenbrand, Esteban Loiza, Brad Penny, Mark Loretta, and my by far number one, Kosuke Fukudama. Your thoughts, David Harrigan? It's a very solid list. I'm incredibly impressed by that list <laughs> because the only one that I, I remember being a starter was Derek Lowe. I remember the game yeah. he started. And he had some moments. But the yeah, and the other nine guys you mentioned, if you had just if you had not told me they were starters, but just said they were all stars this year, I would have said, Wow. Wow, they, I mean that must they, they must have been the one guy that you need from every team, or wow, who got snubbed to, you know, get them as a reserve. They were starters. Yeah, that's the yes. amazing part about those ten those those uh, ten names. So I really debated between Derek Lowe and Charles Nagy, who started in '96. Okay. And now that I'm looking at Derek Lowe's career, maybe I'm too harsh on him having him on this list because he had some good years. Yes. Nice run with the Red Sox. Yes, Derek Lowe was not a disaster. He got traded from the Red Sox like to the Dodgers, and I don't think it went as well. And he might have got hurt. No, it it did. He had four years of an under four ERA oh, with wow, okay. the Dodgers. That'll work. So I, I guess I was remembering him in the mid-90s as just a reliever who then turned starter and had a, a good season or two. But, you know, unfair to Derek Lowe. I'm going to cancel Derek Lowe, and I'm going to put in Charles Nagy, who was really only good once. Does he go in Lowe's spot, or do you put him at the bottom and move everybody up? I'm going to put him at the bottom and move everybody up. All right. All right. Yeah, so make Derek sure we Lowe, I'm that sorry. Down. I'm going to send official. him a tweet and say I'm sorry. More, more impressive to me about your list is two things. That Mulholland and Loiza were selected by the managers to start those games. Great yeah. point. Like, okay, the fans, fans are encouraged to vote and, you know, vote for every Philly possible. Let's put every Philly yeah. in this game. Like you said, you get your overseas voting for the Fukudome edition in center field. Yeah. But what manager sits down and is like, you know what? It's I Esteban. Need some Terry. I need some Loiza. <laughs> and you could totally see if a guy was unbelievable, but, I mean, Terry Mulholland finished with a. Th- ERA that year. This is great about Terry Mulholland. So it's his one and only All-Star game. He played 20 years. That was his only All-Star game. The next season, he goes from Philadelphia to New York and has an ERA of 6.49. So he starts the All-Star game. The next year, he's got an ERA of 6.5. So 93 was... (laughs) So 93 All-Star games. 92 World Series. Was that the the Phillies? So would it have been the Phillies manager that then put... Mulholland in as a starter that for that game? Been, yeah, that would have been Mitch Williams giving up the home run to Joe Carter. All right, so yeah. that at least explains why. Hey, Terry, come here. You're an All-Star. What? No, really, you're going to start the All-Star game. All right, that's your your list. Believe it or not, I believe our lists are completely different. You don't have any I don't think I don't think I have. You didn't even have Chris Sabo? I did not have Chris Sabo. I have, I have 10 names in front of me. Uh, most of them are from the same era that you picked from, and I don't believe that we have any similar names my list is next Mackie and judd matthew collar and for phil sit tight the Mackie and judd show will continue in a moment we'll be back in the game before you know it Mackie and judd on 1500 espn now back to Mackie and judd if anyone wants to clap now is the time to do it live from the tcl broadcast studios on 1500 ESPN. This is the pecking order. Today's topic, the worst of the best. Here are Judd Zolgad and Matthew Collar. <laughs> All right, Collar. So just one final time before we get to my list, go through one through ten, go through your list of the ten worst all-star 
in your case, starter selections of all time. Okay, I had Mariano Duncan, 94, Terry Mulholland, the starting pitcher in 93, Chris Sabo and his goggles in 91, Yvonne Calderon, who I'd never heard of in 91, Shea Hillenbrand in 2002. He actually was a two-time All-Star, Shea Hillenbrand. Yeah, I was he's surprised not, by that. he wasn't terrible. But his career just went completely downhill after that. Esteban Loiza as the starter in 2003. Brad Penny, the starter in 06. Mark Loretta, a utility player, started at second base in 06. And the runaway winner for me, Kosuke Fukudome in 2008. A 257 hitter with 10 home runs. Started the All-Star game in center field. The star position of the National Oh, he was a big deal. Big deal. (laughs) Oh, and don't, don't forget, at your 10, then... Chuck Nagy of Cleveland. And oh, so that's right. Because I, I got rid of Derek Lowe. Yeah. Oh, and you know, if I if I had wanted to be really snarky, I would have said like Derek Jeter at the end of his career. Because stop it. Oh, oh, stop doing that. Wait for my list. Oh, okay, all right. Oh, so you oh, did. That. I you take no there. prisoners here. You went there. All right. I take no. Pr- I take you. Great, not great. I got them all. Okay. Number ten on my list. An ode to a hometown guy. Nineteen ninety nine. We know him. We love him. He actually sat in the chair that you're in right now for a brief period of time. Greatest guy on the planet, but my God, Ron Coomer. <laughs> Ron Coomer of the Twins in 99. Oh, he was hitting 282 with 11 home runs and 12 walks in 75 games for a 34-52 and 52 Twins team, and they had to pick somebody. And they passed over Radke. They passed over Koski. They passed over some halfway decent choices. For Coom Dog, God love him. He then came back in the second half and hit 235. You know where I would give uh, Ron Coomer a lot of credit for his career? He was just very consistent. You knew exactly what you were getting from him. You Every year he had like 15 homers. Yeah, oh yeah. And he hit 270, just 280. Not a, just not an all-star at any point in time. No. But yes, yeah, no, he was a he was a nice player on a really bad team. And and he could have been, I think, a bench player on a good team. But the fact that he was, the fact that they brought Teddy Ballgame into Fenway Park, 1999, all of these, now, of course, they were, but we, we found out in retrospect, roided up all stars. Yes. But this just who's who That's of baseball right. hierarchy. And there's Ted Ron Williams Coomer. comes in on the golf cart, and there's the coom dog. And the night, That's your Minnesota Twins in 99. The night before was McGuire versus Sosa in the All Star Home Run Derby. Yes. Yes, that was one that's of the most childhood collar right ever. there. Yes. Dave, too. You guys were little kids. You probably I were was, thrilled. No, mm-hmm. not quite little kids. In 99? No, I mean, it's like you're what, seven? starting to get to be a teenager. Okay, that you're a teenager. 15? Okay, you're still, uh, you're still an impressionable oh, young man at the yeah, time. Yeah, sure, right. I was 29 and probably drunk and didn't care. All right, that's number 10, <laughs> as opposed to now. Don't, just, just don't, just don't start. Kind of like Friday? Just don't Saturday, start. Just Sunday, don't start. Don't start. Monday? Don't start. Number 10 is Coomer. Number 9... This was this is a Hall of Fame, the all-time games consecutive games played leader, but this was a complete joke. Cal Ripken in 2001 was named a starter while hitting 217 with four home runs and he homered in that game off but, of Chanho Park. But I'll repeat, yes. he was hitting 217 with four home runs and he was named a starter in the All-Star Chan-Ho game. Chanho Park grooved that. Well, right. It's like 86 miles an hour right Right. down the middle. And Cal Ripken had no business even being in that game. Now, I I get it. He got in the game, but he started the game. That's where the fan vote makes me want to throw up. It's a nice moment, though, A-Rod moving him over to short. It was. It was a nice moment. Nonetheless. Of course, you would hate that. It it was a joke. Number eight. (laughs) Number eight. Going back the uh, farthest on my list. 
California Angel 1983 Reggie Jackson. Reggie Jackson was hitting 214 halfway through the 83 season, but he was named to the American League team. He finished the season hitting under 200, and yet he was an all-star. Number eight, Reggie Jackson. Glove guy. I like what your approach is here, that we thought of this totally differently. I thought of guys who had nothing careers, who just randomly popped up and were all-stars, and you went after the stars. Yeah, well, I didn't... They, Get it, out of my all-star game. In Reggie's case, it was pathetic. great player. Well, Mackie and I have had this debate before. Just because you have a big name, I don't want to see you in an all-star game. I want to see, at that time, the best players. So, just because you're... Reggie Jackson, when I was a kid, was unbelievable. But by the time I was 13, he stunk and had no business being in an All-Star game. Okay. Number seven, I go after the guy that you said that you didn't want to. Jeets. I knew he was coming. Derek Jeter, 2011. He was hitting, now this is not terrible, he was hitting 270 through the first half of the 2011 season. Here's what's bad about it. He, was, he had played in only 68 games, and yet he was the starting shortstop. He had set career first-half lows at that point in homers, runs, RBIs, average, on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS. And yet, and oh, he did sit the game out because of what he described as fatigue. But nonetheless, Derek Jeter had no business being named to that team. And that was the annoying thing that he decided to sit out. Because it was like, oh, this could be maybe your last one, and this is really And the last one here at Target Field was actually very cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, And that one I get... Here, here's, I guess I don't object as much if you if you've announced that this is your last year and you're a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. If we sort of shoehorn you in the game, but it's when we think, well, Rip might be at the end of his career, so let's put him in despite the fact he's horseplay. That bothers me. They no- knew it was over for Ripken at that point. Number six on my list: Roger Pavlik, Texas Rangers, 1996. Now. Here's where where pitcher wins get you in trouble. Roger Pavlik at the halfway point of the '96 campaign was ten and two. Oh, they love their ten. What win they guys. didn't look at was his ERA, which was five point one six. Wow. He started or no? He, he wasn't just started. pitched. He just pitched. Okay. He he came in, pitched two innings for the American League in the '96 All Star Game, gave up two runs, and was out of baseball by 1998. So he's out there with a five plus yes. ERA. Now that was more common. Sure, but ten. But people looked at the ten wins at the time and said, "Oh, ten wins! Wow!" Right? Because I, I remember, especially in Texas, where the roids were really going. Um, Rick Rick Helling won twenty games and had like an ERA close to five. Yes, it was like what? Yes, twenty game winner Rick Helling. Yeah, and but then if you look at the rest of the stats, you're like, "Oh, he got a lot of run support." Yes, and to your point, from guys who were doing steroids, right. All right, that's uh, that's my first uh, uh, five. Number five on the list, Mike Napoli, also of the Rangers in 2012. He had hit 12 home runs in 74 games, but he was hitting 228, ranked 11th out of 12 qualified MLB catchers at the time, and had the third highest strikeout percentage in the league. Third highest strikeout percentage at 30.2%. Wow. And Mike Napoli, yet... Was you? named the starting so, catcher. So you were last night then, you were looking up guys' first half statistics to see if they belonged in? That's exactly what I was doing. So oh. we, we interpreted this differently, <laughs> but it's just as much fun. Yeah, well, I was looking up guys' statistics and seeing what looked like uh, like pure BS as far as 
this person had no business being on an all-star team based on their first half of that season. Which leads me to number four, 2009, third consecutive, a hat trick of Rangers, Josh Hamilton. He was voted a starter that year despite having played in 42 games of the first half and striking out 22% of the time with a 243 average. The detail here is incredible. He played in 89 games that entire season and he was an all-star. Talk about a guy who was like really, really hot, great story, cover of Sports Illustrated. Drug problems. So, oh, well, everybody has to root for Josh Hamilton now. And then off the map, just as fast as he was on it. Ah, but but first, but first he got paid by the Angels in a huge way. Uh-huh. And he had another meltdown or three. Oh, right? yes, he did. Yes, he did. I heard a great story about Josh Hamilton from a scout once that... When Hamilton was drafted and he went to whatever minor leagues it was for Tampa Bay, he was one number one overall pick yeah. or something like that, that his parents bought an RV to go live basically right outside the stadium. I've read that story. That's accurate. Yes. Yeah. And then he had, because he got drafted by Tampa, and then he fell into all of the serious drug problems. Yes. And then I think he finally got his act together a little bit, and they traded him to the Reds. And the Reds very wisely said, this isn't going to last. Yeah. And they dealt him to Texas, and he was unbelievable in Texas briefly. For, and then it, things went, or I, for a few years. It was for Edison Volquez, I think, and it ended yes. up looking like this terrible deal. Oh, my gosh, That's how good. could they trade him for Edison Volquez? And then, yeah, the wheels came off. All right, three on my list. The captain of the Red Sox, 2008, Jason Veritek. He was hitting 218 with 73 strikeouts in the first half. He's a leader. And yet he was named to that, that game. Of all the catchers that season to record at least 250 at-bats in the first half, he was, he was 13th out of 15th in war. I'm, I'm oh going to throw gosh. war at you guys. Analytics. I can't believe that. Jason Veritek was, had no business. All right, and now my top two, and these are glorious. All these, I know is Veritek had the C on his jersey. Yeah, okay? he did. That's all you need. He did. Veritek he was, a, C. He was a great catcher. He was one of he, my favorites. He was. That year he wasn't good. <laughs> Number two. Do you guys recall the name? 2003. So there, there's a good possibility here that you do. Mike Williams of the Pirates. Rings a bell. Pitch reliever. Closer. 46 saves in 2002. Wow. 46 saves. Random closers. Bad Pirates team, so they had to pick a guy, right? He was picked for the All-Star Game in 2003 with a 6.62 ERA and five blown saves. You could do a whole list based on the hilarious relievers who made it. Oh, you definitely could. But that's really funny. He was then dealt, so, so six days after the All-Star Game, six days after representing the Pittsburgh Pirates, he was traded to the Phillies. He was a disaster that year. Uh, that's great. And number one, a former twin, 2006, he was with the Royals by this point. And by the way, that, that Kansas City team went 62-100. and 100. Mark Redman picked for the All-Star game that really? year with a 527 ERA in the first half. Wow. Had nearly walked more guys than he had struck out. And he finished the season with a 5.71 ERA. That was your all. And that is the walking endorsement for why we shouldn't have to put a player from each team on these rosters. So we had zero crossover here. Zero. Zero. Wow. Uh, so my list, uh, one through ten, Mark Redman, Mike Williams, Jason Veritek, Josh Hamilton, Mike Napoli, Roger Pavlik. I still love that one. Wow. Uh, Derek Jeter in 2011, Reggie Jackson in 1983, Ripken in 2001, and Ron Coomer of the Twins in 99. I think the lesson here is don't be upset that Eddie Rosario wasn't picked. 
Because this thing has had a lot of random, weird things happen with the selections. Mm-hmm. So Rosario is one of the best players in baseball this year, way up toward the top in the OPS. Like he belongs in, of course. But there's a few guys who do too. Aguilar of uh, the Brewers belongs in. Jed Lowry of Oakland belongs in. And I saw Mike Berardino tweeted out all the guys with like lower WAR than Rosario, and it's a long list yep. for this year. Yeah, of course he belongs in. But just don't get too angry about any selection, any snub for any All Star, anything ever, because of the pure number. We could have gone on if we had just done all relievers. You would have had twenty guys who oh, either. Had a weird, hilarious pop-up season, or just had no business being there, and they had to pick him. You didn't even pick Ken Harvey. Ken Harvey. Is I came my across favorite. him last night. Ken though. Harvey. I came across him last what? night. What? I gave it some thought. David, what's coming up in stuff? Oh, we might have a Wimbledon update or two. We've got some truth. Well, we don't know if it's truth, but somebody's truth being spoken about Brock Lesnar, and a little problem with airline travel from an athlete. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And we're out. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Again, this is where perception and facts are going to meet in the middle here. You're going to be perception. I'm going to be facts. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by Renai Tankless Water Heaters. Meet the all-new Renai Sensei Tankless Water Heater, offering an endless supply of hot water, significant energy savings, and Wi-Fi monitoring. Visit tanklessismore.com to see why tankless is more. Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about. What you know about? All right, Jay Bergen. What do you got for us and stuff? Let's for Wimbledon. Oh, we've got Wimbledon we're right now. We're talking about intern uh, Max's infatuation. Intern Max is hanging on this current match. He's hanging on every single point. Serena taking on Camila Giorgi or Giorgi of. Italy, and where are we at right now? I can't see it. We have 5-3 in the third set. Yes. Serena's up. She's looking to close it out. Yep. Yep, she lost the first one 6-3, then came back in 1-6-3, and now she's up 5-3. Uh, uh, how's it? Uh, okay, we are th- we could get to a, another game here. Georgia up 30-love in that game right now, but how you how you enjoying that, Intern Max? Good? Yeah, I mean, it's a very good match. Uh, Serena struggling a bit, and uh, this, this, this gal's dad is is quite interesting as well as she is. Let's quit bearing the lead here, Max. What's why do you like this match so much? I I, I have a girlfriend, uh, but yeah, she's cute, gal. Your girlfriend or the tennis player? Yeah, this tennis player. Okay, Dave, do you? I think ca- he just said his girlfriend's not cute. Dave, do you she's care to way cut more the, cuter? Way cut more. the crap here. Do you care to cut through the crap and tell us what's been going on in that room? For oh, the last- he's he's smitten. Oh, yeah. He is absolutely right. smitten. It's really right. well, that's fine, Max. Absolute lie. Uh, the men's draw will play their final on Sunday. Roger Federer very well may be in it. Shocking, I know. Uh, he was asked yesterday, so you're at the All England Club. Your final is scheduled to start two hours before the final of the World Cup in Russia, which just might feature the English team, which would mean not a whole lot of attention on you, Roger. How do you feel about that? It's going to happen anyway, uh, regardless if I'm going to be in the finals or not. The Wimbledon final will take place. And, and so will the World Cup final. I'm more concerned that the World Cup final will have issues because of the Wimbledon final is going on. 
because they'll hear all every point. Wow! Oh my God! Love 15, 15:30, and then the players are going to look up in the crowd and don't understand what's going on in Wimbledon. So, so that that's how important Wimbledon is to me and to us over here. Maybe you should ask the questions over in Russia. How they're going to feel about Wimbledon being played at the same time? He is being tongue tongue in cheek, right? Is that that funny though? Like they're la- they're laughing like that's hilariously. Is that that? I get he's trying to. That's po- press conference laugh, right? Yeah, but I don't even know if it's worthy of that much press conference laugh. I've had to do that before, where someone is talking and you're like, oh, this might be sort of quotable, so like, yeah, keep going. Okay. I think that's what you want, right? You're pushing them to give more and more and more, right? Yeah. And they think they're funny, so they just continue down down that route, even if it's not that funny. He's Roger. He's riffing. Let's keep going, Rog. Yeah, I really don't get the joke. Um, like well, that's what I'm so say- they're saying the scores in the crowd in Russia, so that's going to distract the soccer players. The people at Wimbledon, uh, the people in England aren't going to care about the tennis, is what they're trying to say. And then he's turning it around and saying, "No, oh, no, no! Yes. How are okay. they going to react in Russia?" Gotcha. I just don't find the whole thing to be. I mean, it's true. It's just not that funny. Golik and Wingle this morning were saying that the All England Club has re- uh, relaxed the phone policy this year. Normally, phones not allowed at all. Now the phones are allowed as long as everything is silent so people can, I would assume, keep track of the World oh, Cup. Oh, so they can follow the World Cup. Uh, yes. We had a similar rule that I broke in this studio this morning. Yeah. Very similar. Hour ago or so. You have a propensity not to turn off your your ringtone, yeah, beeping tone, ever. Um, the Lynx want me to be the rookie member of the game. That was the phone <laughs> call. This is true. Yeah, Explain this, it, Dave. Oh, Explain, so the, uh, no. Explain so, this. So I decided to buy Lynx season tickets. Yeah. I love going to the games. Great time. And it's been, even though they've struggled a bit, it's been really fun to watch Maya Moore drop 30 points on people. It's great. Um, so every every game, they have a new season ticket holder come down to the court and they show them on the Jumbotron and they wave. And then, you know, I think that the radio interview, that might even they interview them on the radio or on Lynx.com or something too. So... I got the email this morning, like, do you want to be the rookie member of the game? And I don't, but... Why not? I think you should do it. The more I think about it, I think uh, you should do it. I've... No. I Come can't, on! I, can't. I, I am the... I always want to avoid... Face paint before the game. I, I want paint. to avoid in any way, shape, or form being on any Jumbotron ever. Like, I never want to be that. If well, I agree, but I think it'd be fun for you to be on it. Personally, Even I think if, that'd be fun. If I'm in the crowd and there's someone in front of me on the Jumbotron doing like that dance that little kids do now, I'm like uh, looking at my phone. I just want to make sure I'm not really you part could of that. So go down there. I'm on Wear some station paraphernalia. Yeah. Give us a little free pub. <laughs> Maybe write on the t shirt. Hey, by the way, Lynx fans, Lindsay Whalen every Monday, Mackie and Judd, tune in. I love this. I think Dave's right. I, I think that they would take away my tickets then. No. <laughs> It's, it's over. Max's new gal uh, just lost out of Wimbledon. Sorry, Serena Max. moves on to the semis. You'll have to go back to the you girlfriend. Know, it was a good fight. It was a good fight. Serena, though, is incredible. She it's is. unbelievable. Con- oh, yeah. Considering oh, that yeah. she had a kid not too long ago and is right back here at Wimbledon, she had a great answer to something the other day. Um, somebody asked her about having to play everyone with expectations I saw on this. her back. It was really good. At, for a decade where she's the best, and every single match she knows she's going to get something new from everyone, and they're going to try their absolute hardest and have their most focus. And she talked about how that made her better, but also how she stopped watching as much tape of her opponents because they would always do something different for her. 
which kind of made me think of like the Vikings this year and how every single comes team, back to team for Matthew Collins. Every single team is going to be bringing something new to the Vikings, it, and that's why it's so hard it always for teams to, to continue to be great if they don't have Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Dominic Cruz, two-time Bantamweight title holder. And uh, what world extreme cage fighting? He's a or UFC, whatever. He's he's fought all over. He's an uh, ultimate fighter guy. He was on in San Diego yesterday. It was let's see, ten ninety a.m. The Scott and Br show talking about the fight Saturday night. Brock Lesnar being pulled up in the ring by Daniel Cormier, and then said, whoa, 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 one more thing, one more, one more thing for you. How do you think it's going to work out for Bra for uh, Brock with the whole you know doping thing and coming back? Absolutely. One hundred percent. If he makes it to the fight, I'd be shocked, and and I just mean that because Lusada is the toughest anti-doping system there is on planet Earth, and that guy is absolutely doping. Whoa! Period. No ifs or buts about it. And he's not been in he's not been in mixed martial arts, so of course he's been doing that stuff. Um, how they're going to get him to be clean on fight night is beyond me. Whoa. Well, I did wonder, because he got kicked out for doping, what, what the protocol was to get back in. But if he's saying he's still doing it, then uh, perhaps we won't have this fight. Perhaps he won't uh, he won't test clean. That's some fighting word. That's some that's a big accusation against our guy Brock. Though. <laughs> it's huge. That's a big accusation. So did when when the hosts were told this, did they respond? Did they were they taken aback by this? I think they were. Well, you kind of heard the silence there after he yeah, uh, that's said it. You know, absolutely, he's doping. No ifs, ands, or buts. And that, that was the end of the interview. That was just kind of. I mean, literally, it was. Hey, we're going to end. Oh, wait, 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 one more question. One more question. And then they asked him that, and then they got the money answer. Well, perhaps it will never take place. <laughs> Fireworks on the diamond last night. We got we got action. Benches, dugouts clearing here. They've opened the bullpen door, and those guys have 400-plus to come. I'm going to pause it there. This was in Pittsburgh last night. Okay, I don't know what happened. Can I guess? Yes, that's what I want you to guess. What causes the benches to clear and the bullpens to empty and everybody meet at home plate? All right, let's see. If they were all meeting at home plate, I'm going to guess there was some sort of disrespect going on. I'm with you on this. What do we got? Um, I'm just going to go classic home run by a guy who dropped the bat, who hasn't really done anything before, and just kind of slow trotted around, maybe took 30, 40 seconds to get around the bases. And then when he got home, the catcher was like, no, not in my league. Can I get what happened? Can I get the final score, please? Uh, The final score of the game? Yeah. Oh, shoot. I have to look that up. Okay, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. I'm going to go with Collar's probably right. I like your explanation. I'm going to go with somebody. It was a one-sided game, and somebody dropped a bunt down. Mm, oh, I like that. I, I mean, I like you're that. both very and good the guesses. Unwritten rule that no, that that the Doge that Doge holds so dear to his heart was broken. Um, both very good guesses. Unfortunately, neither are correct. Adam Eaton was at the plate for the Nationals. And it was a 1-1 pitch, I believe, and it was like the fifth or sixth inning. Middle of the game, close yeah. game. And, well, let's see if we can get it. Uh, get more of it here. I think Eaton was disputing the strike call, which was a borderline strike. And uh, continued to jaw about it. And Cervelli uh, eventually had enough. And... What? 
I'm not sure if Eaton said something to Cervelli or whatever. Usually Cervelli's passive until <laughs> until you cross the line, and then he'll he'll be right there. That's exactly oh. what happened. Oh, a strike that was borderline outside corner curveball might have caught the corner, maybe not. Eaton had some words for the umpire, Francisco Cervelli, Pirates catcher. Didn't appreciate the conversation was still happening and then decided to say something to Eaton. Nobody pushed anybody, no punches, no nothing, but we had to let everybody off the benches and, and out of the bullpen. And this is, this is what I don't understand. We've officially jumped the shark Thank you. in baseball. Thank you. Yes. I, this is what I don't get. And the bullpens. No, the bullpen should never be allowed. <laughs> Those guys sprinting they in. Ah, never, we're going to get you. If you come in from the bullpen to participate, it should be 10 games automatic. It's yeah. the most ridiculous thing ever. Why do we accept this? When pace of play and time of game is clearly an issue we're trying to clean up, and they've taken some steps, why do we accept this? Like, you, the, oh, the dugout's cleared. Yeah, of course they have to. No, it, they don't. It's something hockey got right uh, by not allowing the guys to come off the benches. And I believe, if I am correct about this, the rule is if you come off the bench, if, if you have a bench-clearing brawl, the coach is suspended for 10 games. So the coach is suspended oh, for is 10 it the games. Coach? Yeah, the coach takes like a 10 because he's he's allowing that to happen. Oh. And so, but that's, you know, managers in baseball, bench clearing brawl, 20 games. It'll never happen again. So, and anyway, uh come back wrap up this hour. Brandon Thorne of Bleacher Report's going to join us in the 11 o'clock hour uh, to talk some of Vikings and Jason Stark makes his weekly appearance as well. Mackie and Judd Matthew Collar and for Phil don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. I swear it will be done. I swear it will be done. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Four hours of trauma. <laughs> Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. An event that's all about bacon and beer. It's happening. The Bacon and Beer Classic takes over CHS Field this Saturday. Get your tickets now. To enjoy 100-plus beers, 30-plus bacon dishes, music, a bacon-eating contest, and more. Go VIP for early admission, an event, special beer, and donut wall. Plus, while you're there, look for the 1500 ESPN folks down there for your chance to win some prizes. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, events. All right, John, do you know the story of this song, Africa by Weezer? I know this much about it. I know that we that a teenage girl petition sent them a note asking them to record this, and people basically thought there's no chance in hell they were going to do it. And then and then they released it within like the last month. That's yes. all I know. A teenager. Here we go. Hit it. This is not a bad song. That's all. This, this prompted me to look up like what it's supposed to mean, and I don't even think the people who wrote it know what it's supposed to mean. So, this, in uh, this in, in, in the show Stranger Things, there's there's a scene where Toto's Africa is played, and so this teenage girl decided to create a Twitter account trying to get Weezer to cover the okay. song Africa. So because she heard the original version on the show, yes, I did not know, and that. must have been a Weezer fan, and so people picked it up because they thought it was hilarious and started tweeting about it so then weezer came out and did a cover of another toto song i've heard it which was it's great which is great and that's it and it was so funny so funny that they did that like oh whoops wrong song um and then they came out with with africa which is one of the coolest things I think any band has ever done is seen on twitter that everyone wants them to cover a random 80s hit 
and then make it and make it good. It's it, actually they did a nice job with it. Is it weird that way when those songs came out and I was around the age of fourteen or fifteen, I didn't hate them, but I didn't like them that much, and now I like them. No, I don't. I think that's common. I, I think that I happens. like them a lot now. That's not a problem at all. That means you've grown in your musical taste. I can't imagine any. 14, 15 year old your age hearing Africa for the first time and thinking that's my jam. I mean, that was a big and it was a huge hit at the time and so it was played, I think part of the reason why I probably soured on it at the time was it was played just so much continually and so you, so you got tired of it because it, it was oversaturation but now, those are really good songs. The video is worth finding too for how cheesy and early 80s it is. It's really bad. It's a bad song, isn't it? It's a stupid bad song. But that's what makes it kind of great. I don't think it's that bad a song, though. No. I think I it, used to. I think that the synth line is super catchy. So I've had that sort of caught in my head. I wouldn't but, listen to it constantly, but I don't mind it. But I think it's a ridiculous song. Like, what are they in talking what way? about? Well, it, okay. it's, it's music. In, a lot in, of times you don't know. Like, the lyrics and <laughs> what what is really going on here and the way that they shoehorn the word Serengeti in in the second verse and what is the chorus even talking about? Like, down in Africa, and then it doesn't even rhyme with the next line. It's like, what is even going on with this song? But it's got the catchy synth and yeah. the big it's, chorus. It's, got a, it, it's catchy, and that's exactly. sort of fun about it. But overall, like it's a really dumb song. It's the same argument I've heard made and completely agree with Don't Stop Believing." It's a guy just walking and pointing at things. Mm-hmm. Streetlights. People. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the song. But it's catchy. See, I yes. Thought, I thought that Don't Stop Believing was about hooking up with a rando on a train and really having nothing else going on in your life. Like, I, like things aren't going great, uh, so I'm going to just hook up with this person I met on a train. And <laughs> hook up with a hobo. Like, things can, but, but maybe in the future, I can do something special with my life. That's how I thought of it. You know that, what's funny about that? My little brother's high school graduation, they sung that as their senior song. Believe and it. I, and I was like, oh, not surprising at I was all. Like, I was like, wait a minute. This song is ironically appropriate for our high school and the amount of success <laughs> in this high school. But what? It's about someone who doesn't have anything going on in their life, right? But don't stop believing. That's all you. That's all you catch on to, right? That's that's all you care about. Yeah, you don't worry about. You the don't meaning worry about streetlights, people, just a small town boy. It's catchy and it's had a second life now. And you don't. And if you're young, the the theme is very simple. Comes back to it. Don't stop believing. That's not no the matter theme, what though. you. But that's what the theme. But that's what it appears oh, to be. That's like that Bruce Springsteen thing. You're looking. You're looking below the surface, which yeah. I appreciate. But if you're a high school kid, you're just thinking to yourself, this is about the future. You know, the Bruce Springsteen thing with Born in the USA. Oh, which is good. Like they, they play it on July 4th. People have like, no idea. Ha, that's wait, not what this song not, means. No. That's not, not what, what this song means. I mean, yes, you can play it, but that's not what you think it is. Uh, we'll, we'll talk Vikings next. Brandon Thorne of Scouting Academy and USA Football will join the show. Jason Stark at the bottom of the hour. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN.